my ever-loving, living God. Welcome back to Marie Speaks God's Grace Bible Study. Today we're going to be going over the book of Numbers, chapter 11. I'm excited about this Bible study for a couple of different reasons, but mainly this. I believe God is giving us this Bible study to give us a chance to examine where we are with Him in our relationship. Are we looking at God as our Lordship, our ruler of our lives, the maker of heaven and earth, hallelujah, hallelujah, creator of all, the greatest and always? Are we looking at God as a genie, someone to grant us our wishes, not our needs, but our wishes, our wants, our dare I say, desires and lusts? Or are we looking at God as our Father, our Abba, our provider, our caretaker, our source, our refuge, our strength, our way maker, our miracle worker? Are we looking at Jesus as our Savior, our Christ, our physician, our healer? Are we looking at his beautiful Holy Spirit as our guidance, our counselor, our educator? How do we look at God? How do we look at our Messiah? And how do we look at his beautiful Holy Ghost? I believe God wants us to use this season, which unfortunately is a season where a lot of demonics and, and witchcraft and sorcerers try to come in and come against God's people. I don't know if you've been noticing, but just like this season and the last season before, during this time frame, electronics started acting up, problems start arising around families, old wounds start to fester and so on, and it's all witchcraft. Even animals will act different around you. A dog, a dog, again, nipped me at church, at church. And it was because I was fasting. And I told them, see, this is what happens. When a child of God is fasting and somehow evil spirit gets in and starts murmuring, like we're gonna go over in this Bible study. So let's pray. Father God, in the blessed name of our Jesus Christ of Nazareth, help us to see you as you have called us to see you, worship you as you have called us to worship you, praise you as you have called us to praise you and be in a a relationship, a covenant with you as according to your word. Not what a religion says, not what our friends and family says, and definitely not as this fallen world says, God. Let us seek guidance from those who are wisdom-filled and filled with your beautiful Holy Spirit and who truly have a fire and a passion for you, God. Let us seek sources that is truly, are truly of you and come and are sent only from your beautiful, glorious mind where you are thinking great thoughts towards us, Lord. We rebuke this spirit of witchcraft in Jesus' name. We rebuke this bitch, uh, this witchcraft spirit of anger, of adultery, of masturbation, of sodomites. Lord, we rebuke this spirit of a vast coughing for no reason, provoking coughing, Lord, provoking illness in Jesus' name. Lord, we rebuke this spirit 
of anything that is not you, Lord, this Antichrist spirit, we rebuke it in Yeshua's great name. We rebuke the spirit of the evil ones, Lord, and the workers of iniquity and anything that supports them, Lord. We send them far from us, Lord, to the feet of Yeshua, our Yeshua HaMashiach for judgment, Lord. We rebuke the spirit of confusion. We rebuke the spirit of mind fogginess. We rebuke the spirit of of forgetfulness lord we plead the blood of jesus christ over our spiritual and physical body lord we plead the blood of jesus christ over our spiritual and physical mind oh we plead the blood of jesus christ over our physical and spiritual tongue our throat lord our eyes lord that we will see clearly what you want us to see and we we plead the blood of jesus christ over our ears we take the cobs out of our ears lord so we can hear straight from your beautiful, glorious mind, Lord. We thank you for covering us in the blood of our blessed Lamb from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, Lord, and in every part of our spirit, our earthly and physical body, Lord, our spiritual body, Lord. We just plead the blood and call to be surrounded under you, Lord, for your beautiful spirit to just overshadow us and, and give us, Lord, the peace, mind, body, spirit, and soul that you give to each and everyone who truly loves you, Lord. Thank you, Yahweh. Praise you, merciful, glorious Father. In Jesus Christ's beautiful name, we pray this in your name, our Yeshua HaMashiach, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Ruha Kadesh, and sealed with the blood of Christ. Yes and Amen. Well, hello, children of God. Welcome back to Marie Speaks God's Grace Bible Study. <sighs> I'm excited about this Bible study, so I am warning everybody. We normally go, you know, quite a lot longer. But this Bible study and the next one, I'm telling you right now, they might be longer than usual long. Just because of the meat and potatoes that I feel our Father in Heaven wants us to review, especially this season. I, I feel like God wants us to break free of a lot of strongholds that might be repeating actions in our life. For instance, and I'm not speaking this over anyone, Lord, shield and cover us all in the loving, saving blood of our Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'll use my example. Let's say if you are a repeat quitter smoker, right? And you have been trying to quit smoking over and over again, and you'll be able to quit maybe for a week, a month, or even years in some case I was able to quit. And all of a sudden, you're out and someone's like, hey, want a cigarette? And you're like, sure, it's just one, you know? Cause you're out with your friends, you're being social. Well, next thing you know, you're buying a carton, you know, and, and packs and, and you're, you're scrounging and you're, you're addicted to nicotine, which we rebuke addiction, the spirit of addiction in Yeshua's great name. The spirit of addiction starts with what? It starts with a murmuring spirit, which we are going to go over here. Everything starts with an evil spirit trying to find a way into a Christian's life. Now it could be repeat one like it was with an addiction, which it was in my case. Thank you God. 
or my Jesus has delivered me from that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But it could also be like repeat negative relationships. Repeat. I don't want to use the word failure, but if there is a repeat failure or um, blockage in a situation where success is being denied, a child of God, that's not of God. Unless God is trying to sway you from going into down a dark road or a path he hasn't intended for you or he knows there's a better path for you unless that's the case which always confirm with God but let's say you're you're wanting to pass a test you know you're in college and you have taken this exam three maybe four maybe five times and when you're in school you're doing your assignments you know on the formation you can practically apply everything but yet the day of testing all these troubles start happening even a week before you might even you know and then you show up for the test and you're just completely blank some people might be like oh you're afraid of taking a test or you're worried no 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 that's an evil demonic spirit which we rebuke that right now in yeshua's great name hallelujah praise the lord and it starts with the murmuring what if i fail again what if I don't pass it this time? Lord, I'm wasting and spending all this money. I'm, I'm spending all this time and effort. And then that's the murmuring spirit. And it starts to produce doubt. It starts to weigh on someone's self-confidence. And if a child of God gives in to a murmuring spirit, okay, that's when it becomes a stronghold and it has established a place and grown roots, so to speak, in a Christian and if that demonic spirit is allowed to fester it will become a demon presence in someone's life which we rebuke all this in Yeshua's great name hallelujah praise the Lord there are stages in our relationship and progression with God and there are stages unfortunately if a Christian chooses to give in in going down a dark path where through not having strength and confidence in the Lord where we could unfortunately walk into dark roads we don't want to go up I'll, I'll put it that way because I don't want to speak anything neg over, negative over anyone I Lord I'm just providing examples hallelujah in Jesus name so we're going to go into that in this Bible study. Please pay attention to the definitions. Get your notes, get your notebook, get your tea, get your coffee, because we are going in deep. Amen? Amen. What you see on the screen before you is our Minds.com social media page. This is our main social media page where we post most of our, where God is leading us, maybe some videos that we thought were interesting. This one was really fun, enjoying a meal in Nazareth Village. I really like that. This is where you'll see some of our blog posts, maybe some some videos that we're sharing from other, some other of our social media sites. This video right here is my progression in my relationship with God and dressing modestly. I'm not saying you have to dress the way that I dress for God to be right with God. This is just where God is taking me and I'm just showing my, um, yes, my progression in, in modesty. So anyhow, we share all these videos and our Snapchats on this page. So if you would like, please go check it out. But we also share our 
blogs on this place. You click on articles and our many blogs will post. Today we're going to Numbers chapter 11. We also shared on our website under season 4 uh, blog page. Amen and amen. Alright, so let me click on this one because I actually liked um, the way that it looked on the minds.com page. Here we go. While that comes up, I'll go over to the website. So our website is mariespeaksgodsgrace.live because we serve a living God. <laughs> and after each live Bible study, I post all the links to our blog. I mean, our blog, yes, but our live Bible study, our podcast, which you can get on, um, what is that thing again? I post it on Anchor, but you can also do it on a... Oh, Father God, Father God, in the blessed name of our Yeshua HaMashiach, amen. Thank you, Father God. Spotify, amen. Rebuke that spirit of forgetfulness in Jesus' name. And then the audio version of the blog is also posted on uh, Spotify. So if you would like to read along or hear the blog along, you're more than welcome to. So here at Marie Speaks God's Grace Bible Study, we go over the historical part of the Bible study, the biblical part of the Bible study, and then a spiritual teaching from the Torah. Amen. Now there are many different sources out there, so please, I always suggest when you are studying the Bible, pray before you study the Bible, get into a good uh, open conversation with the Holy Spirit, then open your Bible, and as you are reading, talk to God, read with God, ask God your questions, write them down, journal, whatever it is, be in an active uh, conversation with our Father, because that's what prayer is, right? So that is just my suggestion. I want to make sure I communicate that with others. And yes, that is my process. I will cry during Bible study at home. I will be like, Lord, this ain't right. I don't like it, you know? But it's come through active, intentional, willful, loving relationship with God. I want a prosperous relationship with our Father because I love Him. Amen and amen. All right. Father God, in the blessed name of our Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we thank you for opening our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and our souls to only you, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this Bible study, Lord, over these frequencies, Lord. We reclaim them in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, our blessed Lord and Savior, Lord. We thank you that any witchcraft or sorcery, hexes, vexes, hoodoo, voodoo, lulu, anything trying to come against the body of Christ, Lord, we send it and return it back to the sender, amen tenfold and we thank you for sealing and closing the gap that the only door that is open is the door to our Yeshua. Amen. We pray this all in the mighty name of our Jesus Christ of Nazareth, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Ruha Kaddish, and sealed with the blood of Christ. Yes and amen. First things first, my favorite Bible handbook, Haley's Bible Handbook. The link is on the screen and in the blog and in the description box for those who would like to read on their own. And it is in PDF form. Chapter 11. Ooh, y'all. Three days into Tabera, they begin to complain and murmur. And this is after all of God's beautiful miracles 
and his presence that they could see, feel, taste, and, and know that the Lord of God was among them. Then they start whining and complaining only three days later. Now, obviously, we know the number three is about resurrection with our Jesus, right? Um, but the number three has a lot of different meanings. And we've gone over the numbers before, so I won't dive back into it. But I just want others to see that there is um, just like there's a rhythm and a sequence and I'm not talking numerology that's witchcraft we rely on God but God does show us through signs and wonders including numbers um, what he wants us to know for instance if you repeatedly see the number 555 it could either mean grace or it could mean God is calling you to the priesthood. I just found that out. I thought that was amazing. Um, the number 555, yes, it goes with grace, maybe multiple grace, maybe bountiful grace, but it might be like God is increasing your anointing in the priesthood and the number five relates back to the Levites. I just, God just showed me this the other day and I was like, praise Yahweh now forever. I didn't know this, my Lord, that's wonderful, right? So God will speak to us through numbers. So please go check it out. Always, if you're looking for dream interpretation or what a number sequence might mean, or maybe you're seeing a repeat pattern, always look from a godly source, okay? Never look at any of those uh, numerology sites or, or what is it, uh, psychic this or, or any horoscope. Uh-uh, no, no, no. Those are all evil spirits. Do not go to those sources. Always go to God. Amen? All right. There, ooh, <laughs> scroll down. That was their specialty, complaining, the nation of Israel. They knew how to complain. God sent them quell, but he also sent a plague. See Exodus chapter 16. So Exodus chapter 16 talks about all different plagues that can happen, right? But I don't want to focus on that because we're going to go into a little bit of the science part of what can happen when someone eats too much quail, which... I didn't even think of some of the things that's on there. It's pretty awesome. So next we're gonna go into the Richards. Uh, where's my copy? Right here. Richards Complete Bible Handbook. And I'm gonna read from my personal copy because I don't know why the one on the screen is so much darker. It's the PDF on the link that you'll see. But it looks a lot clearer uh, when you click on it. But some reason when I took a screenshot it came up very, very dark. So I'll just have it on the screen before you as I read. God's anger. And yes, God does get angry. God does punish. God does rebuke. God does send the spirit of condemnation to, to provoke um, his children to repent. So all those new age churches that want to just say, oh no, God will forgive you for everything. He will not. He will not forgive you for everything. There comes that tipping point, like we have talked about, and even the Torah teaches this, where if your good works, after you accept God as your God, and you accept Jesus as your Jesus, you know, your Savior, and 
it's before you get baptized with the Holy Ghost normally, right? Unless you just completely fall off the wagon after getting baptized by the Holy Ghost. If you continue, if your good works, if your works don't match up with what you are claiming your relationship with God is, you're not with God, okay? You can be baptized in the waters. You can claim to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can speak in whatever spiritual tongues you think you are speaking. You can have a huge library of Bible books, right? And you could dress as super modest as you want to. You could even be a deacon in a church. But if on the back end, you're lying, cheating, whoremongering, stealing, um, living a wicked, sinful life, you're not with God. And the Word of God says, whoremongers, sodomites, liars, stealers, and all those that are wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen? So do works save us? No. But you're saved by God's grace alone in our faith in Jesus, right? But I guarantee you this because it's based off the Word of God. Your works, your actions, the fruit of what you produce better line up with the word of God if you're claiming to be his child. Otherwise, you're not a child of God. Period and point. Our works will either condemn us, and our Jesus said this, or it will either um, will either be rewarded for them. So your works do matter. I there's some individuals who like to say you're it's faith alone, faith alone, but. Faith without works is nothing. Amen and amen. Alright, so God's anger. The Old Testament speaks often about God's anger. There are eight Hebrew words to express this concept. Some are descriptive and a, a pitcher heavy breathing or foaming lips. Others mean indignation, rage, fury, burning, vexation, and pouring out of anger or outbreaks of wrath, but the emotion of anger and its expression are portrayed in these other um, Old Testament terms. Many find it disturbing when the words like these are used to describe God. I've seen some pastors, um, there was one video that was going around, it was actually, I get the point behind his teaching, you're supposed to forgive. But he stands up on stage and he's like, what if God talked to you like this? Like, I never want to see you again. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Get out of my life and never come back. And I instantly thought to myself, obviously, because of God, right? I was like, hold up. God does say that. He says that in the books of the 12 minor prophets, right? Those who keep transgressing against him, those who treat his love like a harlot, He's like, you know, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. I'm done with you. I've gave you multiple times to repent. Now some justice and judgment is coming. Of course, God's anger and his wrath is always built in righteousness. And those who receive God's anger and wrath, they have rightfully earned it. They have injured people repeatedly. They have chosen wicked ways repeatedly despite God's efforts to redeem them and draw him draw them near to him so when by the time God sends justice the final justice on earth right to someone from what I can tell from from scripture they have earned it like everyone thinks of Sodom and Gomorrah right but 
think of also, you know, the king in Egypt. At one point, God hardened his heart. Well, his heart could only be hardened because he was open to having a hardened heart. If he hadn't been being so wicked to the nation of Israel for years, his heart wouldn't have even been available to have been hardened by God. Does that make sense? No, God doesn't tempt us. No, God doesn't lead us into temptation, right? But one, if one has a wicked spirit, it is going to be open to wickedness. If someone has a seared conscience, right? Like the king of Egypt, he had a seared conscience. He could look at someone in pain and struggling. And I feel this so strongly. Father, forgive us. You know, and he felt no sympathy towards that person and no compassion for that person. But our Jesus, he saw... He saw individuals, you know, bent over. He saw individuals struggling. He saw people, you know, crying out. And he had compassion towards them. See, that's a totally different. And obviously our Jesus is perfect. He doesn't have a seared conscience. But there are some individuals on this earth, those who cannot sympathize or empathize with other people. You don't have to agree with them. But maybe you try to see their point and understand their plight unless it goes completely against God, right? That we have compassion for them. Even Jesus had the compassion for the most wicked people and wanted them to be saved. Like the Pharisees who were putting him to death, right? Oh, Father God, help us. Anyhow, let's continue. Many find it disturbing that words like these are used to describe God. But while human anger is often unjustified reaction of a sinful nature, God's anger is always rooted in his holiness and his love for his creations. God is angry with his people, Israel, when they forsake his covenant. Say it one more time. God gets angry with his people, Israel, when they forsake his his covenant but Marie I'm not Israeli well that's a that's a that's different than Israel okay this is the nation Israel but Miss Miss Marie I'm not from Israel I'm not from Israel either but we have been grafted into the vine right we are Christians followers of Christ therefore we need to uphold our end of the covenant a covenant is a mutual relationship like God said uh, at Mount Sinai all these blessings will before you if you accept me to be your God. Do you accept, right? And then the nation of Israel said, everything that you have said, we will do. And God said, great, we're family. This is a relationship. I'm going to take care of you. You just need to act right. That's basically it. So our works, our behaviors, our thoughts, our words, our volunteer time, our social time, every aspect of our life, I can guarantee everyone out there matters to God. It absolutely 100% does. Amen? Amen. Whew, they break his laws. Oh, God forgive us. He is angry with nations that institutionalize wickedness and war on others but only because God cares so deeply for every every human being 
and he is disturbed when he witnesses, and he witnesses everything, men who are oppressed, and when sin leads them away from him and the good he desires for them. God has thoughts towards us, and it's all good thoughts. It might come with some educational experiences that might be a little bit difficult, but we got a Bible verse for that, right? God will only allow us to receive trials, receive educational period, uh, periods, um, we'll receive walks in the desert, so to speak, to a point where we can bear it. And when we cannot bear it anymore, God gives us a way to come out from that. And I can tell you this, children of God, it always begins with calling on his name and repenting. It begins right there. <laughs> Amen? Amen. We too need to see God's anger, including the most drastic of the disciplines he brings on his people. For the perspective of covenant love. Like a good parent who acts out of deep love for his children, God will not permit his own to continue on or in a dangerous or wrong path. If God did not love us deeply, he would hardly care enough to be angry when we sin. The devil loves it when we sin, right? I bet you there's a lot of people out there who think the devil's really, really nice until he comes asking for his dues, right? Look at all those celebrities now. Mm -mm -mm. Pray they repent in Jesus' name. Even the wrath of God testifies to how important you and I are to him. To find further study in this, one can review, I'm going to say this slowly, Amos chapter 4 verses 1 through 5, Sorry, Amos chapter 4, verse 1, through chapter 5, verse 16, Psalms 94, Matthew chapter 23, verses 13 through 36. There is a consistent pattern, and it shows God's divine anger in those scriptures. Amen. In chapter 11, we see that Moses complains to God, while the people of Israel complain about God and his servant, right? What is the difference, and why does God respond differently to Moses than to the nation of Israel? Sometimes our prayers are grumbling complaints, which, let's be honest, <laughs> you know, I try not to do. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to say I'm perfect. But I have learned instead of grumbling, I will ask God why a certain thing is going on. And it isn't to question God. It's to understand um, God's will in a situation so I can get back in realignment with our Father. Does that make sense? Amen and amen. Um, sometimes our prayers are too grumbling and complaints. Are there prayers that is good for God not to answer. What do we learn about prayer from this chapter? How can we apply what we learn to our own prayer life? This chapter and the next one gets into and it shows a pattern. So right, we're going to hear about the nation of Israel grumbling. And in chapter 12, 
where then where it's going to lead into Miriam, which is the older sister of Moses, and Aaron, who is the older brother of Moses, um, complaining, and they start grumbling and turning their back on Moses too. And I'm excited about that chapter. It's going to be a long one, so I will leave it for then. All I'm going to say is this. This is why it is important to keep your house tight and right with God. I'm telling you right now, children of God, I know it's the holiday season, the earthly holiday season, right? It is Hanukkah right now, by the way. Happy Hanukkah, um, or blessed Hanukkah. But if we let grumblers and mumblers into our house, they leave, um, for lack of a better word, spiritual footprints and fingerprints to everything they touch. Ever notice when you get around someone who's um, sarcastic or a complainer or someone who it could be the best day ever but then they come around and they will find something negative in it like you just got a promotion at work and instead of saying oh congratulations that's awesome you've been working so hard for that I'm so freaking proud of you you know let's give glory to God, a shout of praise, whatever it is, right? Instead, they'll be like, oh, now you're going to be in a higher tax bracket. Welcome to larger taxes, right? And it kind of sounds like a joke. It kind of sounds like tee ha ha. But there are some people in our lives, they want you to do well, but they don't want you to do better than them. Rebuke them in Yeshua's great name. They are not for you. God always wants you to do well. God wants you to do like Jesus, you know what I mean? And that was his, that is his begotten son, the savior of the world. And God wants us to be as close as we can be to him, right? God wants so many wonderful things for us. So why would we tolerate someone who wants to beat us down, put us down, disrespect us? You know what? If someone doesn't appreciate your presence let them appreciate your absence in jesus name amen and amen israel is noted as being professional complainers this is both in my opinion both embarrassing and sad this makes me wonder how could there have been such a disgusting lack of appreciation from the nation of Israel to the God who rescued them just two years earlier. Now remember while they were in Egypt, they were being persecuted, they were being genocide. Um, mothers and fathers were being ordered by the Pharaoh to throw their babies into the river. Now, when I read that part, I remember I was praying to God and I was like, God, in the year 2020, I wonder how many and now, come on, let's be honest. I wonder how many of these individuals or churchgoers or Christians, whatever denomination, I don't care, would have been saying, well, the Pharaoh mandated it. We have to do this. You see what I mean? Oh, for our Father, forgive us, forgive us, my Lord. It really comes, you know... When we start to see uh, the alignments with the Bible, it's honestly like, ooh, very overwhelming. And I just pray, I pray and pray that, you know, God's ecclesia is truly humbling themselves and like throwing themselves on their face, repenting in self-caused and ashes. Like, 
if you didn't know before but now you know now you know we can't help what we don't know but the bible says once we are aware it's a sin that's when we're held accountable right unless you choose to be willfully ignorant but we're gonna we're gonna lean on the positive side because because i love god right and i'm a positive kind of person but once we know something's a sin and we give into it ooh, that's when we're held accountable so if within i'm just gonna put you know just a blanket out there within the last two or three years there has been like a lot of anger, a lot of yelling. It's all witchcraft spirits, by the way. Rebuke that ain't sure it's a great name. A lot of unrighteous fighting, a lot of uh, keyboard uh, ninjaing. You, you see what I'm saying? A lot of throwing your baby in, in the river for the Pharaoh. Um, repent, repent and come right with God. Amen? Amen. I guess something we just won't know or understand. Moving on, what is the difference between sin, sinning, and sinful? Here we go. Past is sin for Christians. In our past, we used to sin. We're no longer sinning. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been delivered. We have been reborn. We are willfully intentional towards living a righteous life with Christ Jesus. Amen present living in sin sinning so this would be someone's daily life or daily activity or every time this event comes around they give into it like being angry at someone who doesn't who hasn't warranted your angry you are just bitter and and complaining and mean towards them for no reason it could be an ex it could be a co-worker it could be someone you see often and they just rub you the wrong way and you give into it you let yourself um get into a negative place that's not of god now if it's someone that is mistreating you or harming you that is something different that's called some righteous anger what i do you know this is just basically you know you obviously stay safe whatever god leads you just follow your safety but whenever someone is mistreating me or i feel like they're taking advantage of me or they're not appreciating me like if i'm volunteering or you know i'll use that example i'll just be like god you know i don't like the way i'm being treated there what is your will do you want me to keep going if not if you don't want me to go please make it plain and make it clear like i'm not supposed to go and they're not going to be around me and i won't be around them and in jesus name amen more often than not, somehow, some way, they just won't come around or I won't be over there. Like, God doesn't want his people to be mistreated. Does that make sense? All right. So, past the sin for Christians, present is living in sin for those who are willfully partying like a rock star, cursing up a storm, and mistreating people, whatever it is, lying, stealing, treating, sodomiting, whatever it is, right? Future is full of sin and sinful nature so if someone allows their present sinful life this is obviously going into their future because they have created a stronghold at this point for the evil and workers of iniquity and soul ties and and wicked fingerprints and and footsteps and it is a whole lot to go over we couldn't even go over in one class all of that but it's basically this our 
past won't impact our future, especially if we've repented, because God has casted those sins from east to west, unless there is some way we need to make atonement, right? All right. But our present sinful life, which we're not doing because we're Christians right with God, will definitely impact our future because it has allowed the accuser to go before God and say, look, they're claiming to be of you, but they're still lying. They're still cheating. They're still committing adultery. They're still not focusing on you. They're still celebrating that witchy holiday, Halloween. You see what I mean? So, what can we do? Read the Word of God, confirm with our Father in Heaven, go by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and don't do sins that we can control. Start there. Because, <coughs> excuse me, let me get some water. Jesus' first commandment for us regarding sin is take the plank out of your own eye, right? Once we get, excuse me, drinking some water. Once we get our own house in order, and it, it probably won't happen in 30 seconds, you know, even Paul took a while to get his house in order, um, it might take a year. It might take six months. There's some people who take their whole life try, time trying to get right with God, right? Mm. Oh, living water. That's so good. And being right with God is a lifestyle. It's not just a season or a week and then we go back and fall into sin. Because that is transgressing. But our job is to progress in the body of Christ, not regress, or is it degress? Regress, I think it's regress. Y'all don't quote me on that word. <laughs> oh, praise Yahweh now and forever, amen. It rises up, <laughs> rises up kings and queens, yeah. All right, so I believe this is another season of a reason why the nation of Israel could never overcome their past. They were always focusing on their past and not their presence. If they had turned away from their sinful past and said, you know what, God, what was going on in Egypt, I didn't like it there. I wasn't comfortable there. I was attacked. I was living in fear. And, but I thank you for setting me free. And now I have a new dawn, a new day in Christ in Jesus name, right? If they had looked at their deliverance and their deliverer rather than their oppressor, they wouldn't have been set on being slave mindset. And the Bible talks about repeatedly this, about being a wicked servant who is living in fear and not moving past what God, let's be honest, allowed to happen, whether it was ancestral sin, whether it was personal sin, whether it was hexes, vexes, and curses that were going to be used to strengthen us, whatever the case may be. It was something that was allowed to happen and there was a spiritual context to it before it became a physical reality. Amen? So how do we know what it is? One, you read the Word of God, see the examples in there. If it lines up with an example, like the spirit of um, 
<laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. But the woman with uh, the blood issue, right? Well, the blood issue, that's a curse. Um, that is your, that's one of the curses of most likely that woman who had a blood issue, okay? She probably, her, either her herself wasn't living the most pure life um, sexually, or she was probably the product of an adultery um, act with whoever her parents were. It states in the Word of God through some stories, right? Because you have to read the whole Word of God to get all the stories out of there and then be able to apply it to the situation. That that is one of the curses. And then the curses go down to the third and fourth generation until someone loves the Lord. Then God will have mercy upon them. So, Marie, but that's not fair. But that's a spiritual law. Do you see what I'm saying? So, I don't give in to, you know how you go to the doctor and they ask about your family medical history? That is a worker of iniquity question. But Marie, that's what the nurses and doctors are taught to ask us. Yeah, because they're taught by pharmakia, which is the spirit of witchcraft. But our heritage is in Christ. Amen. So I'm not, I'm not a healthcare provider. I'm not a doctor, but I do understand the spiritual laws. Do not come in agreement with ancestral curses and allow yourself or your doctors to speak them over you. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is just a suggestion from a non-medical perspective. It's a spiritual perspective in Christ. Y'all, don't come, <laughs> don't come looking for a prescription receipt from me. Amen? All right. Okay, so this nation of Israel at this time, this generation right here, they were more comfortable with a slave mindset. The slave mindset to be, it became a part of their identity. Have you ever met someone, um, I'll use the military. After they get out of the military, it takes them quite a long time to adjust to being a civilian. Okay, because they had their identity in being a soldier or a marine or an airman or in the navy, right? CBs, get on up. <laughs> Anyhow, um, the same thing with like someone who's a teacher or an educator or a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer. Sometimes what we do becomes our identity. This could be a positive thing like having our identity in Christ or it could be a negative thing like having your identity in being a victim and being a slave and being someone who who unintentionally but intentionally searches out abusive relationships, you know, or intentionally but unintentionally searches, um, searches out alcoholic friends because they say they want to get over being an alcoholic, but yet they're always up in the bars, always up in the clubs, hanging out with other people who drink all the time. How much do they really want to be delivered, right? So how does one remove themselves from the spiritual law of being enslaved and in bondage to this identity might be the next question. And we're going to go over that in this Bible study. God set them free, meaning the nation of Israel, but they found more worth and more value in being slaves. That's sad, right? Now they have become willful slaves and they want to transgress and sin and later they want to rebel. 
Next, we will see the nation of Israel attacks God, attack God's prophet. I believe this is when God has had enough. For God loves his anointed in the body of Christ, but especially his prophets. We're going to see this um, progress, unfortunately, the spirit of rebellion, which is spirit, the spirit of the Antichrist, which we were booking Yeshua's great name. From chapter 1 to chapter 12, we're going to see the progression of it. How does God treasure his anointed? Well, I'm glad you asked. Most relevant verses regarding God's anointed, meaning God himself placing his glorious spirit into someone he has chosen and decided to reside in. Can God reside in his chosen? Answer is yes. The Holy Spirit can fill every crack and void, every tear in us. Amen. If we allow him in, don't send him away. He loves us so much. Amen. All right. I believe when God chooses to reside in his elite or his elect, God feels what his servants feel 10 times more. I spoke about this the first year of the season of the Bible study. But if we read the book of Enoch, which is really popular right now, um, if you read the book of Enoch, it says how one day in earth is a thousand years in heaven and a thousand years on earth is one day in heaven. Okay. <laughs> I always, always, I always am like, okay, make sure you get that right. So what does that mean? For the minute that we are in pain or suffering, and I'm not speaking this over anyone, Lord, shield and cover us in the loving, saving blood of our Yeshua HaMashiach. I'm just providing examples in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's say you have one terrible minute. The kind of minute where it seems to go on for hours and you are just in a completely painful conversation or location or event, right? That every feeling from what you smell to to what you witness to what you hear to the ground you're standing on the air everything is felt in heaven times 10 for that one minute that 60 second period and whatever milli 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 milliseconds it is greatly magnified And so our God feels everything we feel to that degree. I believe this is why God feels all of our pain and he gets so angry that anyone that he created is being mistreated. Does that make sense? All right. I believe this is why God, for lack of better words, tolerates Israel's and others being wicked or sinning or complaining, but once the nation of Israel complains towards and angers Moses, because Mo- God is abiding in Moses, um, greatly magnified, right? He's one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. So God is feeling what Moses is going through to the nth degree, and Aaron, because Aaron is the high priest of the tabernacle. And they into turn take their grievances to God. This is when God's anger is lit very strongly. I found this article with Bible verses below that confirm this belief. 
like in 1 John, people know um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 very well. As for you, the anointed, what you receive from him who abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointed teaches you all things. And this is true, and it is not a lie. Just as he has taught you, you abide in him. And this Bible verse right here confirms that Jesus is our chief teacher. He will teach us in the spirit just like he taught Paul, which keep a paperclip note for this Bible verse because we're going to talk about that next Bible study. 1 John chapter 2 verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all. So that is obviously the spirit of revelation that our Father in Heaven sends us when He opens up His mind to His saints and we get that idea, right? That all of a sudden helps us figure out how to help someone or that idea that confirms to us something that we thought we knew or, hey, this is one, right? Can't find your keys and you're like, where are my keys? I just had them. And you look and look and look and all of a sudden in the beautiful picture of your mind God shows you that you left them in your dresser for some reason right or you left them on your chair it was God who showed you that no thought if you are opened up to the mind of cross Christ um, in my opinion should be your own when you are searching or asking for help your mind should be open to Christ so he can uh, lead, guide you, and protect you in Jesus' name. Because that's what he wants to do. So I'm going to scroll down to the one that particularly speaks about Moses for this chapter and the next. Psalms 105 verse 15. These are for God's prophets, but it is also God's anointed for this. Touch not my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. You don't hear gender. You don't hear age. You don't hear race. God says, touch not my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. God does not tolerate his priests, his prophets, his seers, his healers, his praise worshipers, his ministers, wherever you are in the body of Christ. If you are righteous before the Lord and someone comes against you with an evil intention, which we rebuke in Yeshua's great name, cast it far from us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God will not tolerate his babies being mistreated. No, 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 no. God has taken his priesthood unto himself, just like he did with the Levites because of Jesus. Amen. And it is so much greater because of Jesus. What was going on, even though it was absolutely beautiful and wonderful in the Old Testament, I love the Old Testament. I'm not someone who doesn't love the Old Testament. But when Jesus comes on the scene, it's a whole new ball game for what is going on with the holy priesthood. Do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Amen and amen. All right, so there's a ton of Bible verses in here that talk about God and his anointed and, and his elect ones. So I thought these Bible verses could help others and maybe help guide them and see why we talk about some of the spiritual teachings that line up with the Torah how it is biblical, and some are New Testament and Old Testament to cover all the bases. And the link where I pulled it from, the resource, is here in the blog for those who would like to search that matter out. In Jesus' name, because kings and queens, that's what we do, right? Search that matter out. And I, oh, 
I thought I corrected it. Sorry, it's supposed to say chapter 11, but it says chapter 10. All right, so here we go out of the Edermann's Handbook to the Bible, chapter 11. Complaints about the monotonous, monotonous diet. That's a big word. Praise Yahweh. The first delicious taste of manna, see Exodus chapter 13, 16, was like wafers made with honey. Now, sheer monotony makes it stick to the gullet-like sawdust. What's a gullet? I need to look that up. Mouth-watering thoughts of all the fish and vegetables and abounded in Egypt in the Egyptian Delta soon produced an irresistible craving or lusting, okay? If one is craving chocolate, craving cake, craving physical, uh, you know, <laughs> what is it? Uh, I don't even know why. Physical relations with someone that you are not spiritually married to under the covenant of marriage, this is a craving, but it's also a lusting. People normally attach lusting to, um, you know, sex, but it is anything that is a craving. And craving and lusting is an evil spirit if it's not under the context of uh, God's covenant. Does that make sense? It is okay, obviously, for a man and a wife to want or desire each other. What is not okay is to make it animalistic, right? So those are two examples of godly love, godly desire, and an evil lusting or craving. Amen in Jesus' name. All right. God gives them what they want. Boy, does he. Till they are sick of it with, and then it comes as a judgment from the attitude which laid behind the outcry. And what was the attitude behind the outcry? Bitterness. Wanting. They had more than enough. Think about it. They were doing daily sacrifices for three to four million people. Daily sacrifices at the tabernacle. They were farmers. They were uh, shepherds. They had fruits, vegetables. They had it all there, okay? But they gave in to the murmuring spirit, unfortunately. The, verse 29, a remarkable attitude in the leader power without a streak of tax or streak of corporate, what is that? Corporation? Corruption. Y'all, I don't know why I'm reading like that. Corruption. Quails. As the previous year, Exodus chapter 16, this was a... Mm, Father God, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my tongue right now in Jesus' name. Amen. A megatory, migatory flight returning in the spring of Europe. See Article 81. And it basically talks about the flight of the quails, and we're going to go over that in the next chapter or the next uh, later on in the Bible study. Homer, a donkey load. Ten homers is a measure of their gluttony. Ooh, no thank you. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Could you imagine eating so much it comes out your nostrils? Ugh. That sounds very uncomfortable. All right. So what I like about this from the Bible 
um, compact Bible dictionary, it gives a couple of definitions for meat. And meat doesn't necessarily mean, you know, red meat, white meat, whatever other kinds of meat they are. Real meat, okay? Not that fake um, corrupt meat from that weirdo who wants to play scientist and he's really just, you know, a worker of iniquity. So the meat they make here is, there they mean here, is basically food, right? And God says, you know, I provided all the meat, the fruit and the herbs, right? With Adam and Eve, and this will be your meat, the fruit and vegetables. So meat doesn't necessarily mean the fleshy meat. It just means substance that will provide your body uh, to maintain its nourishment. I'm looking for the word meat. Where is it? Meals. M-T-M-T. -M -T. <coughs> Excuse me. Here we go. So on page 178 and 9 of the Compact Bible Dictionary, meat will be under food. <coughs> Excuse me. There are various kinds of food that were used in Bible times. A staple of the diet was bread made from wheat, barley, or rye. Vegetables such as beans or lentils, onions, cucumbers, cods were eaten freely. Fruits abounded. Grapes, melons, figs, pomegranates are mentioned frequently. As written in Deuteronomy and the book of Numbers. Fish and meat, like red meat, white meat, were included in the Jewish diet with certain restrictions. Beef and lamb or goat were clean. Camel, rabbit, or pork were forbidden together with shellfish and eels and carnivorous birds and reptiles of all kinds. Insects were forbidden except for certain types of grasshoppers, which are locusts. We went over that before in uh, the John the Baptist Bible study. That was fun. John the Baptist, y'all. Locusts and honey. Mm -mm -mm. Honey, spices, and salts were included in the daily diet. Milk and cheese were a chief dietary dairy product um, in biblical times. Full in moderation usage, a dalt or a staple, a simpleton, but a scriptural generally in prayer to the lack of moral good sense is implied as well. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Ooh. I obviously went and started reading a different definition. I apologize for that. The fool said in his heart, there's no God. That's sad. All right. So the compact uh, Bible dictionary, I wanted us to go over the type of foods that were available during biblical times. I think most of us Christians, we were taught that all they ate was bread, drank wine, and occasionally water in biblical times. But that's just nonsense. They had gardens. They had fruit trees. Um, they had the fig tree. Remember, Jesus cursed the fig tree because it was not producing fruit. What? We all need to produce some fruit, right? So... They had food in abound just like we do now. They had a lot of gardens and farmers markets. They didn't have all these grocery stores, but they had markets. So when the nation of Israel is complaining, the point is this. Understand in the biblical part of the verses we're going to get into now is they're not complaining out of lack. 
they're complaining out of bitterness, hatred, and dissatisfaction with themselves. Because if you hate yourself, you hate God. If you hate God, you hate yourself and you hate your fellow men. Only those who hate become Lord, shield and cover everyone within the loving, saving blood of our Yeshua HaMashiach, Lord. I'm only speaking an example from the Word of God in Jesus' name. Those who hate God's people are the ones who become murderers. And I'm not putting the spirit of murder on anyone, Jesus. Praise God. But this is what the Bible says. Someone who has a seared conscience, someone who cannot feel sympathy or empathy for fellow men, these are the sociopaths, these are the narcissists, these are the psychopaths, which we rebuke in Yeshua's great name. These are the evil workers of iniquity, and they are of their father, the devil. Amen? All right. So now we're going to get into the Geneva 1560 edition of the Bible. There are many Bibles like this, but this one is mine. This Bible God led me to, and I love this Bible. The only other Bible I love more than this Bible is the White Cliff Bible, which was translated in like six, no, sorry, 1382, I believe. And it is in Middle English or German Vulgate. And um, it is a difficult read, but once you start reading it and you learn to study it, it becomes easily translated. Does that make sense? You just got to learn the rules of, of the text, just like with the Geneva. All right. Father God, in the blessed name of our Jesus Christ of Nazareth, thank you for leading and guiding us during this Bible study. We pray this Bible study blesses others and shows the body of Christ how to stay right with you, become right with you, lean on you, and not follow bad examples. <laughs> like in this Bible study, because there are so many. Oh, poor nation of Israel, right? We pray this all in the mighty name of our Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Yes and amen. Numbers chapter 11. The nation of Israel is noted as being professional complainers. By Numbers chapter 11, almost two years has passed since leaving Egypt by God's outstretched right hand. The hand of honor, the hand of salvation, the hand of rule, the hand of glorious might. Yet, two months, about two months in time in the wilderness, this nation of Israel has started complaining when they were only two months in they started complaining against god saying they should have been left in egypt had moses been appointed over them to lead them to death they started complaining against aaron they killed hurl which is scribed h-u-r the brother-in-law of moses who was married to his sister the prophet Miriam. they did the abominable deed about the golden calf scenario and incident. There were so many other transgressions, but this nation and generation of Israel were professional complainers. They had the spirit of bitterness and it rotted their bones. I know, I know, I know many in the body of Christ believe that God doesn't hold our sin against us, but this is only half true. 
we have to consider what it takes to completely remove sin from us. So let's go over a couple of Bible verses. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, it says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, meaning the sake of the righteousness, and only our Father and our Jesus and his Holy Spirit is truly righteous, for all have sinned, and remembers your sin no more. There is a difference, and it has to go in agreement with other scriptures. Let's look at Psalms chapter 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. You can go around and around and around, and you're going from east to west, from east to west around the world. That's how far God cast our sin from us, right? Those are beautiful verses. Yay, God, get that sin away from us. But there is a catch. We have conditions, amen? We needed to live up to our end of the bargain. The two Bible verses before is what Jesus, God, and his beautiful beautiful Holy Spirit will do for us if we remain right with him. In John chapter 5 verse 14 we read this, And after Jesus found him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, meaning mind, body, spirit, and soul whole. Sin no more, or least a worse thing will come on to thee. That is John chapter 5 verse 14. This is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. After he healed someone, he went to the temple, found the man, and said, Ah, you're made whole. I believe Jesus could maybe see the man's thoughts or hear the man's thoughts like ah i've been made whole now i can go do what i really want to do god got me home from drinking and driving i didn't get caught or get pulled over i didn't get caught stealing this time i didn't get caught cheating i didn't get caught lying i didn't get caught whatever you know that doesn't mean go do it again. You were granted grace maybe the first time, but if you're going to continue in it, you're going to get some judge. God isn't going to cast your sins from east to west every single day that you're committing the same darn sin. That's living wickedly and sinfully as we reviewed before. Let's read another Bible verse, right? Because we're two or more, right? The witnesses are. It will be established. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, meaning common to all mankind. And God is faithful. Yes, he is. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but will, God will, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it amen which says we are going to be tempted from time to time we are going to be persecuted devil is going to send distractions hexes curses vexes you know these witches and warlocks these workers of iniquity they want to be chomping at our heel all day and night long which we send them away in jesus name we remain righteous before the lord the trials, the learning experiences, or the tribulations will be at a bare minimum because we are right with God. And he says, 
I will give you a way out. And what is the way out for Christians who are going through a struggle? Mm. Excuse me, drinking some water. The way out for Christians who are going through a struggle is Jesus. Throughout the Word of God, hallelujah. Throughout the Word of God, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. God says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray fast, repent, and seek my face, meaning if you're seeking God's face, hallelujah, feel this so strongly, you're turning away from evil, you're turning away from sin, you're turning away from addiction, you're turning away from lying, stealing, you're turning away from gossiping, you're turning away from being indignant towards someone just because you had a bad day. You see what I mean? You're turning away from all that. Abuse, use, mistreating others. And you're turning towards holiness. You're turning towards pureness. You're turning towards goodness. You're turning towards love thy neighbor as you love yourself. You are turning towards restoration. Resurrection power, our Christ. You can't have any evilness in you. If you are running towards Jesus and you want to abide in him and he abides in you, you won't be perfect. The world tries to say we'll be perfect. We'll never be perfect. But you can be found righteous before the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. So to recap, we will be tempted. But God will be with those who have courage and endure to the end. He will give us a way out. Don't give in to the slave victimhood mentality. The devil wants a slave. The devil wants a victim. The devil wants a whiner and a complainer. God creates victory and victors in Jesus' name. Amen? This says to me, the nation of Israel was willful at this point in time in this generation that we're speaking around right here. Don't be saying, oh, Miss Marie hates. No, 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 no. Miss Marie loves God's people. Amen. All shapes, forms, sizes, colors. I don't care. Miss Marie loves all God's people. This says to me that this generation of the nation of Israel at this point in time in the book of Numbers, let me be specific, willfully, intentionally, and perhaps even enjoyed sinning, transgressing, and being wicked towards God. There are some people who love being evil. They thrive off of it. They crave for it. And those are the ones that are demonically stronghold, taken, been taken over by demons. Some versions of the Bible would say possessed. I don't think that's a correct uh, translation. But some versions of the Bible do say possessed. It's very, very sad. I do notice, although God seemed to be patient at first, even tolerant and willing to be patient in their sinful and their transgression when it was towards Him. God was willing to work with the nation of Israel. But the minute they turned that indignation towards his servant, his prophet Moses, and the high priest of the tabernacle, Aaron, I believe this is when God's Abba, Father, protection, um, attribute of him stepped into place and was like, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Amen. I believe this is when God got mad. <laughs> But let's go over a couple of definitions, because definitions matter. 
became and become. Came, come, coming. To come, change, or grow into. Focus on grow into. To become tired. You grew or gave in to tiredness. By the way, if you are always tired, you go to pick up your Bible and you're yawning every five minutes. And if you were watching something else, you could stay awake till five in the morning. That is a spirit of tiredness. Anything that tries to keep you from spending or doing God's will or spending time with God is attacked from the evil one. Send it away in Jesus' name. Um, whenever I'm feeling really, you know, I'm not saying don't rest and I'm not saying don't sleep. I'm just saying it's four in the afternoon. You've had a good night's sleep. You're not stressed out, which it's a spirit of stress, which we rebuking in Shua's great name. Life is good. You just want to sit down and spend time with God. You open up your book and all of a sudden you start seeing double or you can't concentrate or you're like, yeah, and I want to take a nap nap. That is the evil ones trying to attack you and to get you from spending time with God or the worst one. This really annoys me. Your phone starts ringing, updates start going on, dogs start barking, kids start crying, husband can't find this, wife can't find that, distraction work. You see what I mean? No. Pray before you spend time with God like, Lord, I'm spending time with you. No distractions will come my way. I will be able to focus. My mind will be clear. I will be intently in a relationship conversation with you. This is our time, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, that normally works for me. However, God tells you to pray, pray, but make sure you pray before you study your Bible and things will improve. Amen? All right. So focus on grow into be for become, or you find it attractive, it's appealing, it's suitable, you find it dignified even. All right, so definition in murmurers, oh, say that 20 times fast, right? Murmurers, uh, these are out of the Strong's Concordance, and this is of Hebrew, and I believe I put in here some from the New Testament, but I believe this is all from the Old Testament. All right, so murmurers. The verb is lodge. Now, not lodge as in uh, you lodged, I don't know, something to hold something in. Like not in the sense of placement. Lodge in the sense of resting or shelter, okay? murmuring shelter because this is a spirit okay if one gives in to the spirit of whining complaining um murmuring that is allowing it to come into think about it your house your tabernacle your earthly house this body right here the body of christ okay we have to do our best to not let any evil spirits in there's a tons of way they can come in, right? But there's always one way, and the only way out is through Jesus. Amen? Amen. Verb murmur, right? Verb and murmur. It is uh, used, he supposes it disappeared early and found chiefly in. So, nephel, imperfect, it's a masculine term under murmur. So, when we read murmuring in the future text remember it is masculine so the murmurers were most likely 
the ones who are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the household. No, I'm not man bashing. I'm not an angry feminist. I can't stand angry feminists. I, I love men in the godly sense. I love masculinity, so please don't take it negatively. And no, I'm not trying to tell a man how to be a man. I can't stand it that when women try to do that, just like I can't stand with when men try to tell a woman how to be a woman. I am not a man. I think I've gave all my disclosures. All right, or what is it, disclosure? Yeah, disclosures. All right, so this murmuring spirit and the murmurers that were in the camp began with the men. When we read the Bible verse, put the paper clip there. The men who were supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the household holding it down on the rock gave in to the spirit of murmuring. And this is confirmed twice with these words that are in the definition from the Strong's Concordance. And that's why I placed them here on the screen before everyone. So others, please don't think Marie is man bashing. I am not that kind of person. All right. Amen. All right. So next we're going to look at the word host. Host has a definition of army. But it's also spirit, because what you loose on earth, you loose in heaven. Hallelujah. And we went over in the last uh, two Bible studies, right, how a host meant army. A standard was your flag that you would lead out into battle. God has his heavenly army, and he also has us, his earthly army, in Jesus' name. We're supposed to be working together. One should reflect the other, as in make earth like it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God now and forever. All right. So, host is spirit. Murmurers has a male, uh, the male uh, gender applied to the word. There's only two genders. <laughs> become of is, or became or become of is something to grow into. All right, so we got those. All right, let's get into the Bible study. And as we read the verses, we might be able to hear the spiritual teaching and the biblical teaching behind this. Let's go. Father God, Father God, Father God, thank you, Jesus. Amen. When the people became murmurers, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. Therefore his wrath was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed the utmost part of the host. Now, in this Bible verse, let's apply the definitions to it. When the people gave in to the murmuring spirits, it displeased the Lord because they allowed the murmuring spirits to make refuge in their uh, bodies or their houses, right? The Lord heard it and therefore his wrath was kindled. How dare you give in to these evil spirits? Have I not elevated and protected you enough? You had a way to get out of it, to send it away, but you chose to abide in it instead of abiding in me. Therefore, the all-consuming fire of the Lord came among them and consumed their spirit. Now, the last time we read about God going into the nostrils of an individual, taking away his their breath, which he had given them, so it wasn't really their breath to be theirs. It was God's breath in their earthly vessels that they weren't taking care of, was with the two sons of the high priest Aaron, right? His two sons decided to offer 
God strange fire. And in offering God strange fire, God sent his beautiful holy fire into their nostrils and it consumed them from the inside out. I'm looking over my notes. And that happened during uh, the book of Exodus. Yes, Exodus. I want to say it was about the chapter 30 in the book of Exodus, but don't quote me there. It's around those. I know I've shared it before, but it's around that area, right? So two of his sons were consumed. The same thing happened here. God sent his beautiful, all-consuming fire into the nostrils of those who were murmuring, gave in to 